Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning into this week's Winning at Work career boosting conversations with HR's leading voices. I should also just rebrand the show as Joey talks with his HR friends that he appreciates very much and uh, loves connecting with online. And thank you will, too. But that won't fit in a caption that won't fit in a tweet that won't fit on an image. So it's just HR's leading voices. This week, we are joined by Gary Turner. Gary Turner is actually our first international guest. Some of you all know Gary from Twitter, posts a lot of really great content, and he is an interpersonal catalyst. So we are going to talk about culture, how to build it, and more importantly, no matter where you are on the org chart, the influence you have and how to have more of it at work. So Gary, thanks for hopping on the show. Oh, it's amazing to be with you, Joey. And uh, I'm a little bit starstruck right now. Looking forward to spending more time with you. Oh, man, no need to be starstruck. I, I, there's no way I should be barking starstruckism in anyone. <laughs> but one of, one of the things we do is we like to play two truths and a lie with our guests. And I didn't prep you on this beforehand. So I'm kind of putting you on the spot. But if you have two truths and a lie that you want to share so people can guess in the chat, let us know. I'll give you a few seconds to think about what that's going to be. And then we'll go through your two truths and a lie. I'll try to guess it. Folks that are tuning in, they can try to guess it as well. And we're just going to have a fun getting to know Gary, the interpersonal catalyst. Yeah. Now you got me thinking, Joey. Now you got me thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Proper on the spot moment. Yep. Well, we know one truth is your guitar. It's there's some guitar behind you. So that that's one. But what do you have the others or do we just keep moving? No, I've got a few for you. So here we go. So the first one is I used to play field hockey at an international level for England. All right. What's uh what's the rest of them? So field hockey, pro field hockey for England. All right. Yeah, the other one I used to play a bass guitar in a band when I was at university. All right. And then is there a third one? Yeah, the third one is that I trekked around New Zealand many, many years ago. So like the whole country or just backpack through the hills or through certain cities? I, I try to probe on these questions here so that I can figure out which one's the lie and which ones aren't. So a specific section of New Zealand. All right. So you may or may play bass guitar with the proper tuning of a four-string bass guitar. What are open strings? That's a really great question, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good question. I've got no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. So I think I found the lie. And the only reason I know that is because I've, I've played bass myself. So I think that the lie is going to be uh, you played bass for a band in university. Is that, in fact, a lie? It is a lie, Joey. You've got me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah. So great, great one, by the way. But I do know um, I, I played bass guitar for a while. So the open strings, for those of you who uh, don't know, are G, D, A, and E. So those are the open notes for a bass guitar, for four-string bass guitar. And then obviously for a five-string, you add the low B. And then the six-string, I think you add the high C. But that's a lie for another day. Gary, Let's talk culture, man. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of this thing. You, you say that we're, well, first of all, let's back up a little bit. You're branded as an interpersonal catalyst. Yes. Yeah, so, so what that means for me, Joey, is I actually work still, which surprised a lot of people, in a global corporate, a three and a half billion turnover corporate with a sales hat. But I also merge that with looking after people, culture, 
um, and also inclusion increasingly as well. So really for me, what an interpersonal catalyst is, is somebody that shows up as a whole person across all of those areas that I want to bring to the world across strategy, people, culture, and commercial. So that's what an interpersonal catalyst means to me. Okay, I love it. I love it. So you kind of test and prove my hypothesis a bit that everyone has a role to play in effective HR and effective people management, no matter what title or position you have in a company. 100%. 100%. So Gary, what's your what's your main deal with culture and interpersonal relationships? Work? Why do we have influence and what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably start with the first lens for me, Joey, actually, is we quite often believe that culture, yes, it is the cult, you know, the norms and behaviors of an organization. But I think we as individuals within an organization, regardless of our role, whether we're the janitor or the CEO, or anywhere in between, we generally believe that culture is somebody else's job. We don't realize how much agency we have to influence, to collaborate, to experiment within and outside of our own team. And I think that's the number one thing for me around culture is how much of our own agency and power do we give away as part of a culture? So we give away our agency. What that what you're saying is we don't take ownership of the culture. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, it, 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 absolutely. You- absolutely. So why do you think we, we give that ownership away? For me, and I don't want to be too generalist, but I'm speaking from someone that, as I say, works within big corporate and has a huge network outside, including you. And for me, it, a lot of it's fear. It's fear to show up fully. It's fear to believe that our ideas matter. It's fear to believe we matter at times within an organizational system. So in summary, for me, it's actually, do we know the stories that we tell ourselves and do we ever check with them? to check whether they are true or not. Mm. So it really starts with us. And I talk about change being an inside job, Joey. And I think we quite often believe that change is something that happens outside of us. Mm. I couldn't agree with you. Um, and thinking that the only way we can add value to an organization is the performance of our job. But the reality is, is we can influence, we can coach, we can inspire, we can be a role model for people in the organization who may or may not even be in our reporting structure. And so I think you're right that we shouldn't pass the buck. We shouldn't think it's someone else's job to influence culture because the reality is, is we're influencing it whether we believe it or not. So why not take some ownership and make your organization a better place? I I think that's so beautiful, Joey. I, I really do. And the thing I love most about what you just described for me, it doesn't cost a single dime to do that. Yes, it may take some intention. It may take some effort. But there is no CEO or HR director or commercial director that I know, Joey, that will say to you, hey, Joey, you took some initiative to go and run an experiment in the business. It made us more money. Stop doing that. (laughs) I've not found one leader that would do that yet. (laughs) I I haven't found one either, my friend. I haven't found one either. And that's hilarious, by the way, because when you say it like that and the fact that you start off by saying that it's free, Sometimes we carry the insecurity of how do I get ahead? How do I add results? How do I get a promotion? But there's just so much low-hanging fruit that you can offer in an organization or not so much low-hanging fruit you can offer, but low-hanging fruit to start, to add real tangible value by way of influencing the culture for good, being a champion for an effective workplace culture. And it doesn't, it's not a line item on the budget. But when people see that you're influential and you're a winner and you're a leader and, and you inspire people to greatness or you're, as Gary is, an interpersonal catalyst, you know, that 
people are going to take notice. People that are listening to this or watching this, whether it's live or recorded, that's an immediate practical step that you can take is put your hands to the plow uh, when it comes to building your positive culture at work. So Gary, I want to ask you something because even though on the screen we are merely inches apart, we are actually a whole ocean away from one another. You're in the UK, I'm in here in the US, but from your conversation, it sounds like things are pretty similar between us and the countries that we live in. So for those of us that are a US audience, what what is it like to be an employee in the UK? Would you say morale's high? Would you say that there's unity among staff? Just give us some insight into life as an employee. It's really interesting. I love the point that you just made, actually, Joey, which is actually we're far more similar than we are different from the point of view of how culture is formed. So if I look at my own work organization, my network of several thousand I have around the world, you know, whether like you and I, yeah, you're a black man, I'm a white man, whether you're disabled, whether you're Asian, Filipino, this conversation transcends the labels that we tend to attach to ourselves within a culture or within an organization. So the problems you see in the US, we have in the UK. The opportunities you see in the US, we have in the UK. So if I make that really granular for you to answer your question, there are huge challenges around being human in the workplace in Europe. Yeah, There's an awful lot still of the traditional say as I do type mentality. And it's all very innocent, Joey. But if you and I and others are not being more active within our businesses, then the status quo maintains. So my summary message is we're far more similar, actually, than we are different, but we'd like to believe that we're separate. And it's a really misguided thought process and something I would invite all of your viewers to actually investigate a bit more. Jumpstart HR is changing the face of the HR industry with their outsourcing, project consulting, and phone support, enabling startups and small businesses to outsource their HR needs from anywhere in the U.S., From new business and legal compliance to employee performance management and outplacement services. Within the business community, Jumpstart HR is a trusted and reliable service. In fact, companies like Forbes, HR.com, and Inc. Magazine have all featured Jumpstart HR for their easy-to-use, hourly, monthly, and on-call support that is tailored specifically to each client's needs. This saves clients like you a lot of time and money. To learn more, schedule your free HR evaluation today at jumpstart-hr.com slash contact. Lean in a little bit on that. If we can go deeper a bit on the piece about there's more that is similar to us that is different. I think that this is really the heart of workplace culture and building a winning culture at work is whether it be election or in your case, Brexit or definitely COVID. I think sometimes we walk into an organization, whether it's work or not, and we try to identify, you know, what makes us different that may help me catapult myself to the top of the food chain, so to speak. But what you're saying is that we're we're more alike than than separate. So could you maybe share something about that aspect of it, of us being more alike than than not? Yeah, sure. So let me make a distinction, Joey. So when I say we're more alike, I mean in our humanity. We mm-hmm. all feel, we all hurt, we we all get afraid, we all love, we all care. So we are more similar than we are different, regardless of our external, how we look externally. We are all made of the same stuff, energy and love and connection. Yep. If you want to get a bit woo-woo for a second. So that's why we're more similar than we are different. 
However, we are all different. You are a black man. I'm a white, white guy, etc. We all do look different. We acknowledge that. But when we realize that we are more similar than we are different from a humanity point of view, but we all have a different lived experience, that's where we accelerate culture. When we can have a conversation as adults, human to human, about a topic, no matter what it is, that's where we accelerate culture for the better. So it's yeah. really celebrating that we are actually more similar than we are different as a human, but we are all different. We have a different lived experience. And how do we unleash that experience and understanding and empathy and connection and growth collectively? So I hope that helps a little bit in, in terms of the descriptor, how I, how I see things. It does. It does. And I definitely appreciate that thought. I think I'm aligned there with, with what you're saying. Let's talk about the importance of influencing the culture and the importance of taking responsibility of influencing the culture. Why should an employee care? You know, why should someone who tune into this conversation and take it to heart, action behind it? Why, Gary? I would start by saying, Joey, why wouldn't you? But let me put a bit more context to that. We're all going to be working 40 to 45 years, maybe even 50 years for our kids, your kids that you have, the new one that you're bringing into the world very soon in the new year, mm -hmm. and your lovely wife. You know, at the end of the day, your kids right now in 50 years' time are probably going to be working until they're 75. Does anybody mm -hmm. want to work 45 to 50 years of their life unhappy, frustrated, scared? Like, no. So let's start getting a bit more activist. Like, how can we find the groups within our organizations where we can thrive, get challenged, we can grow together? Like, it doesn't have to come from HR. It doesn't have to come from learning and development. Like, who are the people that you find interesting? Go and speak to them. Learn about them. Be curious about their, their lived experience today. Because for me, Joey, having you on my podcast previously and meeting my network the last two years has fueled my growth culturally within my work organization, the benefit they have gained in the last two years by me doing more stuff outside of the organization has been huge. And you can't put a price on that. Yeah. Well, I think in some ways we can put a price on it as from an ROI perspective and, you know, tangible results around productivity, tangible results around people staying and reducing turnover, tangible results around just reaching towards business goals and feeling like more and more people are willing to invest towards getting those goals accomplished than just being in the organization, spinning their wheels, doing their own thing. There is a high value that we could attribute to being a positive influence on a culture. So it goes to you for stuff there and, you know, pouring that back into your company as well. Yeah, if, if I may build on that, actually, it's a really great point that you're, you're building on this, Joey. So within my work organization, between 2015 and 2018, we ran a small culture change project within a sales team. Long story short, by shifting the culture from one of more fear, monotony, sameness, same way of doing things, no change, death by PowerPoint, through to a completely more people-centered culture within a team of 15 people within Europe, we increased sales by 6 million and gross margin by 1.5 million over three years. No change in personnel, no change in the market dynamics. So as like a like comparison as you could possibly find um, within a qualitative ar arena. So I just wanted to share that because it really does reinforce your point, actually, very, very clearly. Yeah. And thanks for that practical example there, because, you know, if we can be honest here, not any business leader is motivated by let's do it because, you know, feels good or let's do it because it's the right thing. Some business leaders do it because they want to um, drive profit and you know, I'm not here to judge or criticize or say one's wrong versus the other. I think they all play a, a role. But 
being able to communicate the value of this to whatever audience you're trying to speak to, I think is incredibly important. And stories like that drive home the point of, hey, you need to commit to this because A, like you said, it's, 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 it's a free investment. B, there's some, there's some returns to it. So I think that's pretty awesome that you all are able to do that. Next thing I want to talk about is COVID. You know, we're we're all COVID-19 professionally, personally, but with regard to organizations, many of them have transitioned, many of us have transitioned to remote-based working environments. Considering that our conversation has to do with culture and uh, influence, how do you influence culture if you're talking to people through web cameras and email? Yeah, it's a really, it's a really great question. And I think actually... Although we do miss those connection points, Joey, of you know just going around the corner. My wife was speaking about this earlier, actually, just to be able to go along the hall, just to say hi for five minutes and check in. We are missing that. You know, it's now thirty-minute one-to-ones or three-hour, you know, Zoom calls. So it's more difficult on the one hand, I think, from a team point of view, it can be quite challenging. But I think there's also opportunity, so we can actually check in much more easily for a five or 10 minute check-in with people on a more meaningful, connected, deeper way than I think we used to before we were forced through COVID. So I think there's always going to be good and bad in scenarios like we have right now and, you know, totally respecting the tragic loss of life all over the world due to COVID. But there is a huge opportunity for us to get rid of a lot of the old beliefs around culture like that, for example, HR staff, finance staff, IT had to be in the office in March 2020. Yet I, as a salesperson, could go traveling around the world or work from home. The equity and equality that's now starting to come through because of this force being present in place is a huge opportunity if we take it as organizations culturally. So what are some of the steps that you're taking, Gary, or what is that you would encourage to add influence, but encourage other people to add influence as well? There's two things. One is communicate, communicate, communicate. Now, that's directly, that's town halls, that's using whatever social platforms you have, but ensure that every single person, regardless of how they identify, color of their skin, if they're deskless or work in an office, remote from home, working at a chemical plant, you know, we've got to reach every single human being within our organization at the same time, asynchronously. That's critically important. But on the other side is create the safe space or co-create the safe space more often for people to share how they're feeling. And this is where organizations, Joe, I love your thoughts on this, but we're still getting used to the feeling part. We've been so in our head for so long, hit the numbers, hit the metric, let's grow the business. If someone actually says to a leader today, oh, like, how are you feeling? And I say, I'm really struggling. What's that leader going to say back to me? We still don't quite have that leadership yeah, I evolution, I don't think yet. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I know. I I couldn't agree more. I think one of the things that I'm seeing with regard to the way that we're leveraging uh, technology in the not just the performance management space, but just the interpersonal relationship space is to actually provide helpful prompts for people to start those conversations. And what we need to do in addition to that, uh, in addition to the helpful prompts is Give managers uh, support on how to respond to people who may say, I just lost my house because of COVID or, you know, my kid just got a really, really bad medical diagnosis and I'm not sure what to do. We don't know how to actively listen and hear what they have to say and connect on an empathetic level. So I think we need an understanding how to listen 
and understanding how to, uh, you don't have to have answers. Obviously, you're not going to solve um, a medical crisis or what have you. But just to show that you support and you care and, and you want to be with, you want to be a supportive person for your team, that is going to help a lot. That's beautiful, Joey. It's totally beautiful. And, and that word care is probably the most important word. Like, how often do we care about our colleagues? And this is a key point about culture. Do you have in your work organization right now, if you're listening to Joey and I, is it a culture of care or a culture of something else? Because through caring, through slowing down, we, we accelerate performance. So yeah. it, it's proven. I, I like that. I like that culture of care question because when you think of high-performance athletes, uh, high-performance actors, actresses, whatever, a person who performs well on an individual level, they do things to care and restore their body and mind so that they can be have longevity. I was doing um, some yoga this morning and uh, the, the person who was leading the practice, obviously it was an app, so we weren't in a room, but they're just reminding us that the way you go on a long journey is you make sure that you leave room for care too, because who knows when we'll get to some sense of normalcy with COVID, who knows what the future of business will bring and how we have to respond and adapt to that. And so many people are just hanging on for dear life that we have to have a culture of care that says, hey, I see you hanging on. Here's what we can do to help you calm down. Here's what we can do to help you settle a bit. And just give people the peace of mind to know that we, we have your back. Every move you make isn't being watched and graded or uh, could lead you to termination. You know, we want to stick by you and support you. So what do you, what do you think about that, Gary? I just completely agree. And I think even, even when organizations are having challenges, Joey, and I've seen this quite a lot since, since March, globally is even if you're having challenges share that with your people you know you and i spoke on like i say about vulnerability in the past like be honest about what's working what isn't what are the challenges because your people will want to help you people will not want to find out at the 11th hour that they're at risk of a job like talk to them about what the challenges are how can they help what are their ideas and that's an act of caring for me joey is involving people in the process as part of your culture whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah, we have a question from Paul. Hey, Paul, good to see you, man. Uh, I got to get out west to to hang out with you and the family when uh, this all settles. But he says, some leaders are more inclined towards managing through policy rather than inspiring through relationship. Can you share your thoughts about that dynamic? I'll let my guests go first, Gary. What, what are your thoughts on uh, managing through policy versus inspiring through relationship? First of all, yes, Paul. 100% yes. You know, it's, again, the evidence is there. I shared it with my own organization. Like we, you can make more money and keep your people happier and healthier by inspiring through relationships. However, we need to meet people where they're at, Joey and Paul. And I think this is a bit of the transition we're dealing with, which is even more difficult with the COVID and the remote working that we have. So my part answer to this is, how do we, as organizations, leaders and cultures, identify where the leaders need help? Because I don't believe anybody comes to work wanting to do a bad job or to hurt people. It's a lot of unconscious unawareness. So how do we help find and identify and support those people that aren't used to leading with emotion and connection and, and interpersonal skills? I love that. I love that idea. When it comes to training or educating someone, you have to start with where they are, uh, start at the root of where they are, and maybe understand the why behind why they do what they do, and then build from there. 
Um, I, I would agree with that thought. And I would, um, I would say my thoughts on that are there's a healthy balance between policy and inspiration. Uh, so many people think that inspiring through relationship means that one-to-one relationship, but really inspiring through relationship could mean the way that you lead and inspire hundreds of people or thousands of people in an organization or just even through your personal brand. So the dynamic of relationship, I would challenge it. It's not just the one-on-one conversations, but what is your, what's your reputation? And I think having a reputation that is, uh, rooted in the values of your organization. So I'm not going to say that every organization's values are the same, but if people can look to you to be dependable, consistent, and on brand with what the organization is trying to accomplish, and you throw in a a dash of empathy, I think you're going to have a healthy balance of policy and relationship because be the system that inspires people to, or not inspires, but the, the policy piece should be the system that gets people towards the desired outcomes. But the relational piece or the inspiration piece is the side of you that realizes that people are not robots and we all have different challenges or hurdles in getting to where you want us to go. That health, healthy coach and critic that can lead people to the right destination. So I, I think you should have a balance between the two of those because if you're too policy-driven, you know, you'll drive people away because you you, you aren't relatable. But if you, you're too relationship-driven, then you may be taken advantage of as uh, attempting to be a, a people pleaser or not serious enough or not able to drive meaningful change under pressure or whatever. So I think you got to be both. And uh, Gary said so eloquently as well, too. Um, all right, we're, we're in the final minute of our chat. Gary, this has been incredible. Uh, I've been throwing up your social handle uh, all throughout the, the show, but how can people get in contact with you? Where can people find your podcast? And uh, what, what other parting thoughts would you want to share? Thanks so much for that, uh, Joey. So so enjoyed the chat today. Honestly, absolute pleasure. And you can find me at Gary, G-A-R-R-Y-I-P, Catalyst, all one word, on Twitter. Or you can find me on my on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, you can also find me at my own website, Joey, which is Gary Turner, G-A-R-R-Y, Turner, dot life. G-A-R-R-Y, Turner, one word, dot life. And my final passing thought is, you know, particularly your side of the pond, Joe. We've got our own challenges with Brexit next year. Whatever's going on in the world outside of you, please, please, please realize you always have agency. You always have influence. You always have choice. No matter how bleak and dark it looks outside, get outside, network, connect with other great humans like Joey. Don't feel alone. Keep moving forward. There's plenty of opportunity for all of us. That's it. Keep moving forward and connect. I love it. I love those as parting thoughts. So if you enjoyed this episode of Winning at Work, make sure you catch us next week again, 4 p.m. live. And thank you for all your participation today, uh, engaging in, in our conversation and just being a fly on the wall of two great friends connecting on something we're passionate about. So until then, keep winning at work and I'll see you next week. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, everyone.